Welcome to the Basketball Update. I'm Adam Nazarali. This is the update for Monday, November 23rd, 2020. This week we have tons of news, guys. We missed last week just because there wasn't a lot of stuff going on. But because of the COVID-19 situation, we've had essentially a, a very enhanced or shortened, I should say, off-season. What normally would take place over three or four months is essentially being taken place over a five-week period. So I'll just get right into it. Right before the NBA draft occurred, we had, I would say, two blockbuster trades and then two or three fairly minor trades that are going to shake up the league a little bit. Firstly, with the Oklahoma City Thunder trade Chris Paul to the Phoenix Suns for Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Ty Jerome, Jaden Leck, and a 2022 first round pick. For me, this is just really impressive on Sam Presti, the general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunders part. He basically transformed Chris Paul from what was seen as a negative asset into a positive asset. And he traded him for Kelly Oubre, who's a fantastic asset, a young player in the NBA, Ty Jerome, Jaden Leck, yet to be seen. They're kind of just extras in this trade, I would say salary filler, essentially. And then Ricky Rubio, who we flipped on uh, draft night to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then additionally the 2020 first round pick. So OKC is just gathering up as much draft picks and as and as much assets as possible to to hopefully make their rebuild accelerated a bit. I mean, Sam Presti has so many draft picks and so many young assets that he has he has so much to work with here, and I think that the OKC rebuild is going really fast and really well. You know, contrary to popular belief last season when he had to trade his two-star players and Paul George and Russell Westbrook. On the other hand, though, we have the Phoenix Suns who are looking really good. In the NBA bubble, which happened because of COVID, the Phoenix Suns went 8-0 and and they beat some really good teams in there. So now they'll have Chris Paul as their starting point guard, Devin Booker as their starting shooting guard. You'll have a full season of DeAndre Ayton who looked really good last season. He missed part of last season because banned substance abuse. So they'll have a really interesting team. I think they're, they should be almost, I don't want to say almost guaranteed a playoff lock, but when you have one of the best point guards of all time, even at 36 years old, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, tons of other young talent. But the big three for this team is really DeAndre Ayton at center, Chris Paul at point guard, and Devin Booker at shooting guard. On to the next trade we had. This one's a, a bit smaller, but like OKC again. They traded Dennis Schroeder to the Los Angeles Lakers for Danny Green and the 28th pick in the 2020 draft. I think this is really just OKC getting rid of unnecessary salary for them. Dennis Schroeder is a great player, and I think he'll do well on the Lakers. But to be honest, I mean, he wasn't really going to do much on their team. I mean, he, he was, you know, in contention for that sixth man of the year. But I don't know how how well he's going to fit in the rebuild for them. So it makes sense for them to pick up another asset in the draft. And then Danny Green as well. He got flipped to the Sixers right away. So, I mean, sorry if I sound a bit incoherent, but there's just so much information that's been going on in the NBA so quickly. I don't really have much to say on this. On OKC's part, I mean, like I said, they're just stacking up assets to trade further on down the line or, you know, stash for, you know, young players, I guess. Lakers side, we've had, we've seen a few few of their players leave for different teams. Rajon Rondo's left, Dwight Howard's left, but Dennis Schroeder's going to be a good addition to their team. I guess we'll see if he's going to play starting point guard, starting shooting guard. 
but I, I don't see how this is negative for the Lakers. I think I think this is strictly positive for them. Like I think Dennis Schroeder adds another element of scoring and assisting that we actually didn't really see maybe on the Lakers last year. I mean, they had Rajon Rondo, who's a phenomenal passer, phenomenal at getting the ball in other players' hands. But I think this will be interesting because this will be a consistent third score for the Lakers. And then next we have the last blockbuster trade we've seen. The New Orleans Pelicans trade Drew Holiday to the Milwaukee Bucks for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, three first-round picks, and two pick swaps. So this is quite a haul for Drew Holiday, considering he hasn't made an all-star team in a while, although he was playing in the much tougher and much more guard-heavy Western Conference. And there's been some seasons where he has been an all-star level player. This is this is a weird trade to evaluate right now because come May next year, if the Bucs are in the finals or if the Bucs are the NBA champions, this is a no-brainer, but they really gave up a lot for this. I mean, you could tell New Orleans knew they were desperate. I mean, three first-round picks and two pick swaps is a lot. I mean, Eric Bledsoe, kind of up in the air. I don't know if you'd really call him positive, negative. He, he has pros and cons to his game I guess George Hill is just kind of salary filler again New Orleans I mean this is kind of a no-brainer for them like yeah sure they get Eric Bledsoe and George Hill two players who probably aren't going to help them a lot right now I mean Eric Bledsoe is a good player and I mean I'm sure he'll get minutes but I mean they have Lonzo Ball Nikhil Alexander Walker in those guard spots Brandon Ingram I mean he can really play the two through the four George Hill will probably be getting no minutes really off the bench, but those three first-round picks, if Giannis doesn't re-sign in 2021, this deal is a nightmare. But if you're the Milwaukee Bucks GM, John Horst, I believe his name, you kind of have to make these. I mean, he's, Giannis Antetokounmpo is a generational player, a generational talent, and you know guys like him don't go to Milwaukee in free agency. You kind of just have to hit the lotto at the draft and hope you get a Giannis. So they, they've they kind of thrown everything they could to get him, but the Milwaukee Bucks are looking like heavy, heavy favorites in the Eastern Conference right now. One last trade I'd like to talk about quickly, guys, just because the episode's taken long already, is Houston trades Robert Covington to Portland for Trevor Ariza and two first-round picks. What I want to say about this trade is I'm not really concerned about the trade itself, but what it means for Houston because we've heard reports that Russell Westbrook and James Harden both want out of Houston they trade Robert Covington who's a solid player who's kind of playing out of position in Houston for Trevor Ariza who's I don't know I mean he's an older player I mean he's probably not going to do much on the Rockets and then two first round picks I mean if you're accumulating first round picks and assets like this this kind of means from you know an outsider's perspective that you're looking to sell you're going to be a seller on the market so this trade has different connotations not because of the trade itself but we can expect a James Harden and a Russell Westbrook trade here just later down the line later in the season next season or I mean potentially this season I think it could be in the cards moving away from the trades though we have Clay Thompson suffered a season-ending Achilles tear in a workout he had, which is terrible to hear. I was reading reports online that it's the opposite leg from the leg he injured against the Raptors in the 2019 finals, but 
This is just really sad to hear. Clay is absolutely an instrumental part of the Golden State Warriors, and he's now going to miss two consecutive seasons in his prime as an NBA athlete. And, and not, I mean, take away the physical toll this puts on a player, but the mental toll as well, right? I mean, when he comes back, we have no idea what percentage of his skills he's going to be able to maintain onto. There's Missing two consecutive seasons, there's no way he's going to be the same player before. His defense is going to suffer. His offense will slightly... I think his defense is going to suffer the most. I mean, he was an all-defense, all-NBA-level player. And like his lateral quickness and his shiftiness, it's going to be affected. Two Achilles tears is just brutal. On the offensive side, we'll have to see. But yeah, you just never want to hear about stuff like this for players. But moving on to the draft, guys... And we have some more news about Golden State Warriors quickly. So the 2020 NBA drafts occurred since last time we spoke. This was a a pretty interesting draft for me or just in general, not for me, I should say, because we haven't really seen a lot of these players. Um, And what I mean by that is obviously the COVID situations affected a lot of that. But not just that. I mean, if we go through the list of players drafted and I'm only going to go through the first 10 players or so. So we have Anthony Edwards, who was selected number one overall, and he was selected by the Minnesota Timberwolves. And this is a whole, this is a bit of a distraction, but the day before the draft, there was news essentially that Anthony Edwards, there was a report from him that he, he, what, he didn't really like basketball, or sorry, it wasn't a report, it was an interview that kind of leaked the day before that he didn't really like basketball, you know, he wanted to focus on rap, and he was actually more into football and stuff, which did not help his draft stock at all, but he still remains the number one overall pick. I mean, there has been reports of him having some attitude problems, which is not something you want to hear at all for a number one pick in the NBA, but I suppose his talent speaks for himself. He played for Georgia in college, which isn't one of the big schools. It's not UNC. It's not Duke. It's not Kentucky. And he's known as kind of a high output shooting guard. So we'll have to really see, you know, how he plays out in the league. I mean, it's kind of been known that this is a bit of a weaker draft at the top. So we could have one of those years where the best player isn't even in the top 10 or top 20. Could be a second round player. I mean, we don't really know, but that's kind of what all the analysts and journalists have been saying. But I think he'll fit really well in the Minnesota lineup, actually. I mean, you have, you know, Ricky Rubio now, D'Angelo Russell, Jarrett Culver, who was looking really good at parts of the season last year, obviously Carl Anthony Towns. So I think Minnesota, if they can kind of, if someone on that team can just just be a really big focus for them, it's the, the unfortunate thing with them is it's just a really young team. And I don't know if there's a lot of maturity there. But if they can really get together cohesively and have a vision, I think this team can be successful. But I'm spending a lot of time on them. I'll move on to the next draft pick. The next draft pick, we had James Wiseman, who was selected by the Golden State Warriors. And this was another weird situation because he was actually suspended by the NCAA because his high school coach would would also have been his university coach or something. So he was kind of seen as a booster for helping him move there it was kind of a weird situation so we didn't really see a lot of him in college I think he made played maybe 10 games but he was really highly touted before this year happened and I think he fits really well into the into the Golden State lineup we discussed earlier about Clay Thompson which is just devastating but I mean you have Steph Curry Kelly Oubre let's say or Wiggins I guess Andrew Wiggins you know you still have the names escaping me right now but 
Yeah, I mean, they should still be a solid team. I don't know if they'll be a playoff team. I think they might be close. Oh, of course, they have Draymond Green. I'm forgetting about him. But the, the Golden State Warriors will be an interesting team. Probably a lottery team again this year because Draymond's lost a step and they won't have Klay Thompson. And, you know, what can you expect from Wiggins, really? He's just kind of in a high output score, doesn't do much else. But moving on from Golden State, and then we have the number three pick in the draft, uh, LaMelo Ball, who went to the Charlotte Hornets. And again, we have a really weird situation because LaMelo Ball played professional basketball in the NBL, which is the pro league in Australia and New Zealand. He played for the Illawarra Hawks, which he did okay in, I guess. I mean, people weren't really impressed with his three-point shooting, but I think he did, considering he was so young at the time and he's put on a lot of weight and a lot of muscle, I think he'll, I think he'll do well in the NBA and I think he'll do well at Charlotte. And uh, there's some news for Charlotte as well, which we'll get into later. And then we have Patrick Williams went number four to Chicago. From my knowledge, this was a bit of a reach for them, but they re- but he re- they really wanted him. Uh, he was kind of expected to go to in that like eight to twelve range, but um, Chicago picked him at number four. Isaac Okoro, who went number five to Cleveland, skipping one. I think the ne- the first international player was selected at number seven, Killian Hayes who was picked by Detroit. And then our second international player, Denny Avdia, was selected number nine to Washington. So yeah, that's kind of the, roughly the first 10 players. I skipped a couple players in there, you know, six, eight, and 10. Um, I, I don't remember who those players were off the top of my head, but when I was kind of writing the show notes, I, I wanted players I could highlight. Killian Hayes, we'll have to see. He played pro ball in Germany or France, I believe. We'll see how he plays. Denny Avdia was was actually really supposed to go in that like four to six range. So I'm surprised he dropped to number nine. But Washington has done some really savvy business this past year. So I think they could almost almost be a playoff team, depending on how everyone meshes together. If Rui Hachimura takes another leap forward, then and of course, we'll have John Wall back this year. And then kind of the last thing I wanted to point out in the draft which we saw seven international players selected in the first round. So it's always good to see the game grow internationally and around the world. And it's really nice to see players outside the U.S. get drafted. Now, moving past the draft, we have free agency. So I'm going to go the, try to do this as quickly as possible because we're already over time. I mean, this isn't the best, you know, <laughs> it's supposed to be the basketball update. It's kind of the basketball journal today, I guess. But when there's news, there's news, guys. I mean, I just have to say it and let you know. So first first bit of news, we had Montrez Harrell sign a two-year $19 million deal with the Los Angeles Lakers. This is a huge underpayment for my opinion. Montrez has a, a, a kind of a strange skill set, I guess you could say. He's kind of seen as a bad defensive big and a great offensive big, which you want a more well-rounded big in today's NBA. I would have expected him to take, you know, a three-year kind of $70 million, four-year, $80 million contract. So I'm kind of surprised he took this. I'm guessing he took a bit of a discount because he wanted to play with LeBron and Anthony Davis. But yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Next up, we have Goran Dragic. He signed a two-year 37.4 million dollar extension with Miami. I think this is right on the nose for a player his level. I think he really stepped up his game last year in Miami and it's just so devastating what happened with him in the finals, him getting injured. I really want to see what he can do not only for himself, but I also want to see how he can improve the younger players on the team, Duncan Robinson, 
Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn. And then moving on again, we have Fred Van Vliet signed a four-year, $85 million extension with Toronto. This is kind of right in, I, I mean, as a Toronto fan, I guess I can weigh in a bit more. This is kind of right in line with what most people were expecting. $21.25 million per year. There were some reports that the second year of the contract was a bit less. And that's just so the Raptors have more cap space in the 2021 free agency because everyone knows they're going to put their hat in the ring for Giannis just like everyone else. So I just thought that was some savvy business to uh, to point out. But yeah, $21 million roughly a year. I think this is what everyone kind of expected. I think it's a fair contract on both sides and I'm keen to see if Fred Van Viet can improve off of last season. Next up, we have Joe Harris, who signed a four-year, $75 million extension with the Brooklyn Nets. I was reading on Reddit and Twitter and stuff. This kind of surprised me that people saw this as an overpay. I mean, I can see where that's going to come from because, you know, he's not necessarily a starting shooting guard on this team anymore, but he's a fantastic 3 and D player, and that can't be highlighted enough, I think. I mean, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He's a great defending guard. He has great size. And what is this? Off the top of my head, like $18 million a year. I mean, if you're a starting player, that's a fairly, that's a reasonable amount. This is probably an overpay, but they wanted to keep him around. So you can't really blame them on that. Next up, we have Christian Wood, who had a fantastic year with the Detroit Pistons last year. And he signed a three-year $41 million deal with Houston. I think this is right along what he's worth, probably. He did have a really good year last year, and I'm just going to pull up his stats as quickly as possible while I'm speaking. But I'm kind of, I'm honestly more surprised Detroit didn't do more to, to keep him there. because So he averaged 13 points, 6.3 rebounds, 1 assist, 0.5 steals. So honestly, I mean, I honestly thought his numbers were a bit better, but I think he kind of performed better towards the end of the season there. Yeah, I think he'll fit right along in Houston. I mean, this this is another deal, just like the Robert Covington trade, where I think in my head, this kind of this kind of says to me that Houston's looking to just pick up cheap assets, cheap players, and see what they can work with, and try kind of try trade away Harden and Westbrook. But we'll see how this plays out. And then. Not lastly, but we have three important rookie max extensions to talk about. So we have De'Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell, and Jason Tatum. So they all signed five-year, $195 million rookie max extensions, or sorry, $160 million roughly, and then up to $195 million with incentives and whatnot, all NBA teams, all-star appearances, MVPs, whatever. They, I mean, they all have different, slightly different contracts. I think for each team this as well, I mean, Darren Fox, from what I remember, he didn't, he had, I don't want to say a bit of a down year last year, but I don't think he, I don't think he had that kind of junior third year in the NBA jump that people expected him to have. I'm hoping to see in his fourth year, we can see that from him. Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum. I mean, really, these are just no brainers. Uh, Both of these guys have the potential to be top 10 players in the league and both of them are all-stars already so i mean you you take that you you take those deals like any day of the week really a notable exception i should say is bam adebayo who is also in a 2017 draft pick and then who also was in um or sorry bam adebayo and brandon ingram both 
So we'll have to see what what happens with them. Obviously, they're gonna they're gonna be offered them or some. I mean, Brandon Ingram for sure will be offered it. Bam Adebayo, I would assume he would be, but there. But then you also have Miami Heat who think they're in contention for uh, Giannis and Tedekuampo. So we'll have to see what happens with those guys as well. Maybe we'll see before the season's up, or sorry, before the season starts, I should say. And then three more here, folks. So Gordon Hayward signed a four-year, $120 million deal with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, He opted out of his last year of his player option with Boston Celtics, which was for $37 million. Oh, man, this seems like a really... This screams terrible contract to me from Charlotte. Maybe Gordon Hayward is worth whatever. But, like, this is just such bad business to me from Charlotte. And, I mean, this is what keeps lottery teams teams that are in the first 14 draft slots when it comes you know draft time there you don't sign players to deals like this i mean it just makes no sense i mean they did the same thing with nick batum gordon hayward is obviously a much better player than nick batum if you're following if you followed basketball at all but like just why i mean it just doesn't make any sense i mean they signed terry rogier to that semi-bad contract last year but I mean it was for a lot less money than this they just drafted LaMelo Ball you know I mean it's just it's just it's just an illogical signing for me like it just there's no it's not a tradable contract at all like I don't know and it's not going to help them get get to the playoffs so it's just so illogical for me but moving on next we have Serge Ibaka signing for two years 19 million dollars with the LA Clippers you know it took me this deal happened yesterday, and when I heard about it, I was very disappointed and very upset because this is this to me is a slap in the face. And I know Serge probably doesn't see it that way. He doesn't see, he doesn't know how the fans react to stuff. And I mean, he's his own man. Like he he does, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to tell me why he makes his decision. But you know, the LA Clippers tampered so hard for Kawhi Leonard, and we knew. You know, there was a good chance that Kawhi Leonard was going to leave for one of the L.A. teams last year, right? Or the or one of the California teams. But with them tampering so hard, you know, their GMs coming to games, them just doing like all this sketchy shit. It's like, okay, you get Kawhi. And then Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, you know, the president of basketball operations and the GM of the Raptors. There's no doubt in my mind they offered Serge Ibaka a good contract. Like probably two years 40 million or one year 25 million or something like that right i mean you have to you have to think like they're considered a top five maybe top three maybe best front offers in the league it's illogical for them to not offer him something right so not only does he sign with the team that you know excuse my language effed over the raptors really with how they played everything out but he also signs for like no money, dude. Like two years, $19 million is not even half of what he's worth. He could get one year, $19 million. Like, I don't know, man. Like he doesn't owe me anything, but like, and then not only that, but Sergi Baca has that little YouTube show and he always get guests on and he's always doing Instagram lives or whatever. And he's like, oh, I love Toronto. I want to spend the rest of my career here. And then it's like, it's such a slap in the face to do that. And then not only sign with the Clippers, but sign to them for like not even half of what he's worth or like maybe half of what he's worth. And it's like he doesn't have like he doesn't have to speak to anyone, but it's like, really, dude, like you had to sign. And it's like he probably signed with them because like 
it seemed like him and Kawhi had a great relationship. And it's like, Kawhi is probably one of his best buddies. So I get it. But like, I don't know. I'll always love Serge. He's without a doubt one of my all-time favorite Raptors ever. I mean, just the funniest guy. So laid back. Such a good personality. I mean, he's just the, one of the best locker room guys to have in the league. One of the best veterans to have in the league. But I can't say, you know, I'm ecstatic about this. But anyways, moving on. This isn't Toronto Raptors podcast. The last signing we have is Davis Bertans, who signed a five-year, $80 million extension with Washington. Like I said earlier, guys, I think this is just another another great deal of business for Washington. Five years, $80 million off the top of my head. That's 16 mil a year, something like that. Just one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Uh, solid power forward. Slots perfectly into their lineup. He's 28 years old. And let's look at his stats last year. So he... He averaged 15.4 points a game. He averaged, you know, 4.5 rebound rounds, 1.7 assists, whatever. You don't really look at that stat, stat like that with Davis Bertans. He shot 42% from three. And he was traded this season before from San Antonio. And so he really stepped up his game. And I mean, like I said, I mean, Washington, you know, as long as John Wall is fully recovered from his injuries, I mean, they have John Wall at point guard, Bradley Beal at shooting guard. Maybe Denny Avdia at the small forward. He he plays the small forward or the power forward. I haven't seen enough of his footage. But either way, him. Uh, Roy Hachimura at the three or the four. And then Davis Bertans as well. And then who was that center they had last year who was doing really well? I don't know. I forget, honestly. He's kind of more of a random player. But anyways, guys, I am clearly just rambling at this point. There's a lot of information. My throat is sore. My mouth is dry. That is all the news for this week, guys. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Nazarelli. You can find the show notes at tbu.ffmi.ca. Look forward to our next episode on Monday, November 30th. Thanks for listening.